right, welcome back to Screwtape Letters, Seeking Essence Book Club. It's day four. Hopefully you've enjoyed these first few days. Uh, I'm at a slightly different location today. Still not at home, obviously, with the normal setup, but excited to dive in to chapter number four. Really appreciate the feedback, the comments, the engagement with these last couple of videos. And so I think this is going to be a great experience for all of us. I know I'm having a great time just kind of diving deeper into these books. So just want to continue to encourage you to share your thoughts, comments, your own reflections, your own thoughts and takeaways from the chapter. I've been amazed at how different, you know, different people's takeaways have been from the last couple of chapters, the first few that we've gone through here. It's really cool to hear the things that stick out to different people. And I'm like, man, I didn't even think about this in that way. Um, and it's just, yeah, really cool how we all relate to everything so differently and uniquely and how the spirit and the Lord speak to us all differently as we go through the same material. So here in chapter number four, we get to this idea of prayer, uh, the subject of prayer. Uh, the patient is obviously starting to pray more. He's starting to realize the importance of that in his prayer life. And like many of us, I think, especially us Catholics, we get into these um, situations where we're starting to develop a prayer life, a personal prayer life for the first time. Maybe you go to a conference or a retreat and you're starting to hear people talk about how important prayer is. And you may have never actually prayed on your own before. Many of us didn't pray as a family when we were growing up. We don't have the experience of what it means to actually pray. So similarly, you see here on the second paragraph of chapter four, he talks about the parrot-like nature of his childhood prayers. And so for many of us as Catholics, obviously, we learn these memorized prayers, these rote prayers that we pray, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Rosary, Glory Be, St. Michael prayer, prayer before meals, whatever it is. And those are the only prayers we really know how to make. They're the only ones we know how to pray. And so it can be difficult when you start to think of, well, how do I actually talk to God? I'm told I can have a personal relationship with him, that he wants to speak with me. That he wants me to share my heart with him. It's like, how do I actually do that? It can be really difficult. And so I think we see here some of the main ways the devil try to interrupt that and get in between us and God. I love this in the second page here where he talks about, at the very least, they can be persuaded that the bodily position makes no difference to their prayers. But they constantly forget what you always must remember, that they are animals and whatever their bodies do affects their souls. And I think this is so, so beautiful. I think it's really important for us to remember, and I think this is a huge part of seeking excellence in general, this idea of physical excellence is that our bodies are meant to train us and teach us about our souls, right? They're the things we can feel, touch, see, and they really do inform us about the, the reality of our souls. There's a lot to the spiritual health. That is that we can learn from or base upon what we know about physical health, right? What we intake, what we put out, all of that really matters, right? What we do with ourselves impacts our health, right? Even the way we think impacts our health, both spiritually and physically. And so we have to always remember that we're body and soul. This is a heresy that came up in the first couple of centuries saying that Jesus was, you know, basically breaking apart his two natures. And there's this heresy about, no, he was fully divine and just basically used this shell of a human body. Um, or he was fully human and just like kind of really spiritual, like a prophet. And we know, and the church teaches, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he had these two two natures um, in one, and it's, it's a mystery, right, of how he has that. In a certain sense, we have that as well, right? We have our earthly bodies that will die, and we have our eternal souls, but both are fully us, right? We're not, um, you know, just going through the motions in this body, like this is actually who we are. When we're resurrected from the dead, our bodies will be in heaven with us. And so it's important to remember that. And so because these two things are so intertwined, we understand that the things we do with our bodies do affect our souls. I think this is so important to understanding why do we kneel at church? Why do we genuflect? Why do we go through these motions? Why does, does God give us the Eucharist, right? To have this physical representation. 
It's because the things that we do with our bodies do affect our souls. Even the demons know this, right? And so um, really important to just remember that. Even just our body posture as we're praying. This doesn't mean I don't think that you have to, I mean, I definitely don't do this, that when you're praying at home, you have to, you know, be kneeling on hardwood floors in order to have a good prayer experience so you can be suffering and be in a kneeling posture while you're praying. Um, There's benefits to that. I think there's especially benefits to doing that at Mass. But even thinking about how so often people will say, um, I'm praying while I'm doing things physically. And that can be good and well um, if you're, you know, you make your work a prayer, say you're a mechanic or even you're answering emails, right? All of those things can be offered up as prayers to God. But understanding that our physical state of being really does impact the, the quality of our prayers is so important. He says this on the next page as well. He talks about how we want to, he wants to teach us, the demons want to teach us to estimate the value of each prayer by their success in producing the desired feeling that we want. So if, we are for, if we're apologizing or we're repenting for sins, we want to feel forgiven, right? If we're praying for joy or goodness, we want to feel those things. And so we start to try to manufacture these charitable feelings. So even when we're praying towards other people for how we want to treat other people, we just want to have these kind of general feelings and not really focus in on what we actually do and how our actions might be impacting our relationships or our holiness, right? And so if we can just kind of generate these feelings of feeling good, he's like, that's sufficient. You don't need them. If they can, if you can get them to where they believe that the feelings are sufficient, then you can often keep them from doing the actual actions that are the good works themselves. And so he says here that you never want them to suspect how much success or failure of that kind depends on whether they are well or ill, fresh or tired at the moment. And this goes to be the truth as well, right? So a lot of times we're sick or we're just not feeling well or we're busy or we're distracted or whatever it is. And we think that our prayer life is falling apart or it's just dry or it's weak because we have these other ailments, these other things that are kind of interfering with our prayer lives. We still should go through with our prayers even when we don't feel like it. We should still pray when we aren't feeling the you know immediate fruits of prayer. But it doesn't mean that um, those things aren't going to impact the way we feel about it, right? They're not going to impact our experience because they are. And we can recognize that. And if we do recognize that, then we know that um, our, our, and he goes deeper into this later on, but we start to realize that our prayer is not dependent on how we feel, the success of the prayers, whether or not God heard us is not a question of feelings and, and how I felt that day. It's a question of, you know, philosophy, theology, the intellect that we decided long ago when we converted and made the commitment to pray. And when we believe that then, we should continue on with that even when we feel dry or we don't feel like um, we did on that retreat, you know, similar to what I've been talking about these last couple of days. So then I really like this idea of... Uh, what the demons talk about is basically basically creating God as an idea. And so he says that, you know, the patient has this idea of God that he started to create. Um, he, he started to look up and to the left in the corner of his bedroom ceiling or inside his own head or the crucifix on the wall. Whatever the nature of the composite object, you must keep him, keep him praying to it, the thing that he has made, not to the person who has made him. And so this is something that can be tricky, but I do think probably some Catholics do fall into this. I think we get accused of this a lot by different Protestants that we pray to images, you pray to crucifixes, and you think that that's God. And it can be tricky, I guess, in a sense, to keep in mind that that's not God. Um, But I don't think too many of us are really falling into that trap of thinking that the crucifix on the wall is actually God. What I think this points to, at least more in my experience and in my life and 
the lives of other people that I've seen, that I've witnessed, you know, being on the journey with them, is that we start to create our own version of God. So when we start to come up with this idea of what God is, what God looks like, then we start to um, we start to kind of put him in our own image and likeness. You may have heard this before, that we put we make God in our own image and likeness instead of recognizing that we've been made in God's image and likeness. And so we start to, you know, 2 Timothy 4 kind of talks about this, where he says that having itching ears, the generations will... Um, the wicked generations will start to accumulate for themselves teachers that say things that they want to hear. And so that's a lot of times what we can find. And I think this is why we have to stay so rooted in scripture and in actual prayer with God to actually know what God is like, because there's many, many people out there. You see this across all different uh, denominations, Catholics included at times, I think. Um, you have uh, all different political parties and backgrounds that wrongly speak and represent God, Right. Um, it's something that I obviously strive really hard to not do. Um, but I think it's something that's tempting for all of us, especially when we come from this assumption, kind of like I was talking about in chapter one, if we, if we bring, if we, if we start to believe the jargons of our day and our time, whatever those may be, we bring those into our faith, right? With these, um, assumptions already, then we want to form God to those assumptions because we don't want to change too much, right? So when we start to have this conversion experience, start to go deeper in our faith, we don't want to change too, too much. And so we kind of try to limit God to say, okay, um, I can only, I, I believe this for so long, right? Whatever this is, the things that you might be holding on to, think of the political things or whatever it is that that are strongest to you. We always like to bring those to God and assume that he's just on our page, right? But I think it really goes back to this great quote from Abraham Lincoln when somebody asked him, do you think God is on your side? And he said, my concern, our concern should not be whether or not God is on our side, but whether or not we are on God, God's side. And I think that is the best way to evaluate every political topic, every cultural issue, every significant event that happens is trying to figure out like, what is God's side in all of this? And start to, I think as we understand him, as we start to know him more deeply through prayer, we start to have an idea of where that is, but we still should take each kind of topic and, and item and situation one at a time. Um, and take them to God in prayer, talk about them amongst other believers. And that's how we start to figure out, like, where should I be believing in this? Where should I be voting? Where should I be putting my money towards? Whatever it might be, I think it helps us to kind of figure that out. But we want to be really cautious that we don't make God in our own image and likeness and project on Him all the opinions and beliefs that we have. You know, it can be very tempting to think that God is a huge Michigan Wolverines fan. He probably is, but I still have to prayerfully discern that nonetheless. All right. Thank you for joining today. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God bless you.